This is The Winner's Take with host Nelson Rowley Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Esler. Welcome in to Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Esler. You want to find any of our stuff, uh, you can go to Twitter, find me at Rowdy underscore Razor, or you can find Dave at Dave underscore Esler or some of his work at pregame.com. Now, earlier in the week, Dave, we we put out a podcast that was mostly college football. Uh, we did talk about the NFL slightly. Obviously, we we broke down the Thursday night game that occurred last night. Uh, for this podcast, going to be more NFL-based here as we, we haven't touched on a ton of NFL for week one, so we probably should. Uh, what were your thoughts Thursday night? I know you had a bet on the Lions-Chiefs, but overall thoughts, football's back, Thursday night football. Yeah, I mean – I'm used to working 14 hour days and I forgot how 16 hour days go. So I'm a little tired today, but otherwise it's, you know, business as usual. It's like you, you just, you don't even flip a switch. You just go into a different mode of, of, of paying attention basically, because there's so much that goes on during the course of a day that can affect the spread and you hate to miss anything. So yeah, you just get a little more focused is all it is because it's, it's pretty fluid. You got to get through a lot of these games quickly, especially I know when it comes to college football and the NFL starting up, because we've already seen if you didn't get some of these lines like this summer, you're kind of missing out just diving into some of these NFL games, especially, you know, like Monday uh, of week one. But uh, I mean, let's jump into some of these games. Now Thursday night football is over. It's Sunday. Looking at some games on Sunday. First one I want to talk about with you, Dave, is, Carolina Panthers traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Uh, currently, we have a line of Atlanta favored by three and a half and a total sitting at 39 and a half. Uh, what were your thoughts for this game between the Panthers and Falcons? Well, full disclosure, I've actually uh, I've actually bet this game. Uh, I like Atlanta. Full disclosure, I know, I know some folks would say not to buy points, but I did buy the hook. I bought it to three minus 135. I mean, we all differ as to when and how or if or ever to buy hooks, but that's what makes the world go round. I mean, I thought simply about laying minus 180, and I still might. And I'm not endorsing the Falcons. Uh, I'm indicting uh, Bryce Young. You have to go back to David Carr to find the last number one overall draft pick to win his first game. And, you know, that list includes, you know, Barrow, Luck, Stafford, um, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence, uh, just to name a few. Um, and when it's available, it may be now. I looked last night and it wasn't. I'll bet him to throw a pick as well. I mean, that's, I think, the last number one pick that didn't, uh, number one pick quarterback that didn't throw a pick in his first game was Jeff George. So you have to go back probably to pre-Nelson days. I mean, and for the for the Panthers, you know, DJ Chark has a hamstring issue. Uh, Adam Thielen's nicked a little bit. He doesn't have Justin Jefferson on the other side either. I mean, Miles Sanders had a career year last year, but that was with a team that had a shit ton of other weapons. So I could go on, but I think I probably made my case. I, I like the Falcons here quite a bit. Yeah, Dave, to your point with Jeff George in the early 90s, that would be pre-my existence. And it's funny you bring that up because we were talking, you know, some Thursday night football the other day uh, with the Detroit Lions and when's the last time the Lions were good. And my response was the last time they won the NFC North, it was technically the central, and it was technically in 1993, again, before I was even born. I'm sorry for you. I really am. 
Look at everything you missed. Yeah. But I guess you could you guess you could look at the other coin, look at everything I'm going to miss. Or being that I'm, you know, from Wisconsin, a Packer and Badger fans, I didn't have to live through the 70s and 80s that were the Packers and Badgers football programs. Well, that too. You know, I think when it comes, oh, it goes around, it comes around. I, I was talking to my daughter, who's roughly your age, and uh, a couple of years ago I said, you know, when, when Brady leaves, the Patriots are going to suck. And she said to me, very matter-of-factly, and with a serious look on her face, Dad, I don't remember the Patriots ever sucking. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just different perspectives. Well, that's the thing. Like, you're talking about Brady and the Patriots. It's like my memories growing up was a little bit of Drew Bledsoe, and then basically it was Tom Brady. And now, I mean, I'm creeping up on 30, and, and Tom Brady just retired. Well, you know, you can start again with Jordan Love, I guess. Yeah, we'll see about that. But talking about this Falcons Carolina game, you texted me yesterday that you liked the Falcons. I went through it. I agree with you. I took I would like the Falcons if I had to bet a side. But I looked at that total and just these two teams, not very good offenses. I guess okay, I guess you would say defenses. I'd probably look at the under, especially with young quarterbacks. But that line has moved three and a half points. So like we were talking about earlier, it's like do you still want to bet that under knowing that you could have had this at 43 now at 39 and a half? I don't know if I'd want to play the under, but I did think about it this way, Dave. I like the under. Maybe I missed the boat too many points, but maybe I can get at it in another way. And this is what I thought. Maybe I like the first half under, and I found this at 20, 20 flat. And the reason why I might like the first half under here is Normally, we know that the second half scores a little bit more points. That's kind of like a universal thing in football, basketball, whatever. But I'm getting 20 here with a total under 40. So technically, they're thinking maybe there's more points in the first half. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. I'm thinking about this as Bryce Young's a young quarterback. Their offensive line isn't that great. They do have some you know, guys that have run the football here and been in the league for a few years. Same thing with Atlanta. We know that they got the shiny new new toy in Robinson at running back. We know that they love to run the football, and they did it well last year. But overall, Desmond Ritter's a young quarterback, played, what, a handful of games in the NFL? I feel like both teams are going to want to run the football and not have to put their young quarterbacks in a certain position where they're going to have to make plays. I think it could be a boring, clock-ticking first half. I would take the under for the first half between the Panthers and the Falcons at 20. Well, that's the way to attack a, a number that's been beat to hell like that full game total because you know, the derivatives only came up within the last day or two. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I like that bet. Um, I would not bet the under for the full game now. It's four points is four points. That's a lot. I mean, it might end up being 17 to 10, but um, I'm with you. And, you know, in June you could have had it at 43, and a week and a half ago you could have had it at 41. Um, now you're betting 39 and a half, and I – I just have a really hard time doing that. Sometimes I probably should do it anyway. Uh, you know, if there's that much money on it, pushing it down, it, you know, maybe it's a game that's, again, stays in the 20s. But that's a that's a decision I have to make on a regular basis if I wasn't paying attention in June. So there you go. Yeah, maybe just uh, pay attention, know how these lines have moved, and if 
you know, maybe it's moved too many points where you don't feel as comfortable of, of where it started at, but that'll do it for our first game between the Panthers and Falcons. Dave, moving to our second game, we're going to be taking a look at the New England Patriots who will be traveling to, or sorry, we'll be looking at the Philadelphia Eagles who will be traveling to New England to take on the Patriots. Right now, this line, Eagles favored by four, total of 45. Dave, what were you thinking for our second game here? Well, what I'm thinking is um, I bet the uh, I bet the first half under, um, and didn't hesitate a whole lot. And you know the Eagles' defense—they were number one in yards per play last year. Um, a little slimy on run defense, but they add Jalen Carter with their first-round pick out of Georgia to the D line, and that'll that'll certainly help that. And you know that plays into what New England likes to do, and I think that's with or without Bill O'Brien. You know, New England wants to run the ball and. I don't think they'll be able to. I mean, I think the Eagles will will try and stop that and force Mac Jones to beat them. Uh, and New England was just 25th in first half scoring last year with just under nine points. And, and Belichick's had all, this, all summer to game plan a defense here. And I think their defense will be better than last year's defense, which only allowed 11 points in the first half. So there's all that. But, you know, I know uh, Hertz had a career year, but he still didn't throw for 4,000 yards. And A.J. Brown had a career year by over 400. And, Devon a. Smith had almost 1,200 yards. Miles Sanders had a career year, and he's gone. So you bring in DeAndre Swift, who hasn't played a full season and has never run for 700 yards. And I have I have history on my side, too. Um, Super Bowl losers. Three years ago, the Chiefs lost to the Bucs. Uh, and in game one the following year, they scored 10 first-half points. And two years ago, the Bengals lost to the Rams. And in game one last year, they scored six first-half points. So if this were game two, I'd feel differently. But... You add in the Tom Brady coronation, a little extra crowd energy. I like the first half under the number. Yeah, I like what you brought up there. And it's, you know, I feel like some people think Bill Belichick is slipping. But if you give him extra time, the guy has been, you know, phenomenal at coming up with game plans to stop these teams. And I feel like when you look at the Patriots, they weren't very good last year. And offensively, they were horrible. But then you look at the fact that, yeah, they weren't good last year, and I feel like everyone's like, oh, you know, Mac Jones is terrible. That offense is awful. Well, if you look last year, you had a defensive coordinator trying to pretend he was an offensive coordinator. Like, that was an awful situation for Mac Jones. Now you bring in Bill O'Brien. Obviously, he's a pretty good offensive coordinator no matter where he is, whether that be the NFL or college. I think that's a boost for the Patriots. I do think their defense will be better, especially with – uh, Bill Belichick having extra time and the fact that the Patriots always have a decent defense under Bill Belichick. And I, I agree with you. The Eagles have that Super Bowl hangover potentially, and they've lost some guys off of that team. I think it was Hassan Reddick who was one of the better, you know, uh, defensive linemen last year with all the sacks and pressures. He, he's no longer there. Like this Eagles team feels like it's, it's not quite as good, even though it's still a good team. But New England, and especially the offense, can only go up. So I actually, because I felt like that number to the casual fan could look a little short and be like, oh, Eagles by less than a touchdown? Easy, let me hit the Eagles. I'd probably be contrarian and take the Patriots. But I also kind of leaned at the team total for the Patriots to go over 20 and a half because of how bad that offense was last year and because Bill O'Brien is competent. And I, I actually think Mac Jones is decent. I just think he was in a terrible situation last year and the new England Patriots offense is going to be as healthy as, as it is week one. So they'll have as, as many bullets in the, 
in the gun to start. So I, I'd lean with the Patriots team total over as well. I don't know if I'd do that, but I might. Um, that would get into the end zone three times. I don't know. Um, that's a tough one. I, I'm with you. I, I, I don't think Mac Jones is elite, but I think he's a lot better than, than people give him credit for, at least in, you know, when everything else around him is okay. So if I, if I were, if I were going to add anything, I would take the Patriots plus the four points. I think he's closer to Mac Jones rookie year when everyone thought he was so great than Mac Jones year two. Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't disagree at all. The last year was, Last year was, was was pathetic to watch. That'll be our Eagles-Patriots breakdown. Now moving to game number three, we're actually going to be looking at the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Currently, that line sits at the 49ers favored by 2.5 with a total of 41.5. Uh, Dave, what are you thinking for our third game here between the 49ers and Steelers? Well, I've liked the Steelers all summer, and I won't be talked out of it. I mean, I could be talking into passing the game, but but not into the 49ers. I mean, there's nothing worse than flipping uh, to a loss. So I will avert that. I mean, that's mentally the absolute worst for my head. Um, I'm a believer in Pickett. I'm not a believer in Purdy just yet. And um, I'll tell you why in a second. But do the 49ers have a reasonable talent advantage most everywhere? I think they do. Um, does the team with the best talent always win? No. I mean, we, we see that week in and week out. And I think Purdy is in a different place. You know, he doesn't have Trey Lance or Garoppolo looking over his shoulder. He is the man. And it's very different when you're playing quarterback without expectations like he has been than it is to go ahead and carry all the weight. I mean, do not hear what I am not saying. There's plenty of teams that would love to have him as their starting quarterback. And this is just one game on the road in a place where the fans expect to win. Um, having said that, with months to prepare, I think the defenses dominate and it stays under the total. We got number one and number 10 scoring defenses from last year. And I don't think either Tomlin or Shanahan will ask Purdy or Pickett to win the game. I think they'll ask their defenses to. And right now the Steelers are sitting at plus two and a half, and that's an excellent teaser option, six-point teaser up to eight and a half. I wouldn't hesitate to use the Steelers there either. Yeah, I looked at this game, and I think, Dave, just – Purely based off the number, I would probably lean with the 49ers. To your point on the under, it feels kind of like a grinded out, tough, you know, black and blue type bruising game. I probably would lean with the Niners just because it's under three. Had that line been three, three and a half, I probably would play the Steelers. So it's just kind of like a, you know, a, an important number at three. I would I would play with the favorite just because it's it's just slightly less than three. But I looked at this game and Agreed with the under, but the one thing that I actually looked at was I kind of like Kenny Pickett to go over his pass total, and that's sitting at 215.5. And And the reason being is you look at the San Francisco 49ers. This was the best team that stopped the run last year. They were number one. I kind of think Najee Harris is kind of washed. He just did not look right last year. I, I, I just don't know if he's that good going forward. And then the fact that you look at 49ers were middle of the road when it came to stopping the pass, even though we know that defense is being great. And Nick Bosa, he was, I saw a tweet where it was like his travel for the week was like Miami to San Francisco, back to the East Coast for the Steelers because he hadn't been at camp and then he signed his deal and now he's back. So he's flying all over. That's supposed to be your pass rush, uh, best pass rusher. Maybe he's not quite as good because of the travel. And then I dug into it a little more and 
San Francisco lost two guys to their defensive backfield last year. So that middle of the road, you know, uh, defense against the pass has lost two pretty solid veterans. And the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers added a, a pretty decent veteran and wide receiver in uh, Allen Robinson to go along with, you know, the guys that we already know, like Deontay Johnson and uh, why am I blanking on his name? George Pickens. So I figured that uh, maybe, and especially if they're behind, to get Kenny Pickett over 215 and a half doesn't seem like that big of an ask. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said there. I think the, the key point is they may not be able to run the ball. So, you know, it's just going to be a matter of whether they can get a few chunk plays here and there, but that's definitely a bet I would make. So there you go. That's our San Francisco 49ers, Pittsburgh Steelers breakdown. Going to our fourth game here. We're going to be taking a look at the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Cleveland. You know, that huge drive from Cincinnati to Cleveland to take on the Browns. Currently this one, Cincinnati favored by one and a half with a total sitting at 47 and a half. Dave, uh, what are you thinking for our fourth game between the Bengals and Browns? Well, there's the obvious elephant in the room with Burrow, and, you know, whether he will or won't play, it seems like he's going to. But, you know, if he plays, is he 100%? Probably not. Um, Did the Bengals implement a different game plan to keep him out of harm's way? Probably. I am probably going to look at the the Bengals team total under. Uh, But based on what we do know, you know, look at the Browns. We know about Chubb and Amari Cooper. But, you know, what do I really know about Deshaun Watson? It's been two solid years since he played a full season. And granted, what a season it was statistically. But I really wonder how much of those stats were because he had to, based on the lack of talent around him. I mean, that year with the Texans, their leading rusher was David Johnson. Uh, I don't know how many yards he had, but it wasn't a ton. Uh, And Brandon Cooks was their leading receiver. He was targeted three times more than anybody else. So, you know, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. Uh, Watson, that is, but you know, I'm going to question the ceiling a little bit. With that said, in this game, you, you know, the Bengals have a very average at best defense. I, you know, points per game defense, they were 10th. I really think that that, that their talent they have or don't, I, I almost think they've overachieved. Uh, but this is a division game and plenty of familiarity. And last year's games ended up with 33 and 45 points. Uh, if Barrow plays, I would think Cleveland will go run even more run heavier than they already are. Uh, and if Barrow doesn't play, the Bengals uh, with DTR will have some trouble scoring. So, you know, I like the under perhaps more so if Burrow plays uh, because that total will go up uh, when everybody knows he's going to play. That's really based on history between these teams more than much of anything else. I mean, they just know each other so well. Yeah. I looked at this game, Dave, and I actually, the more I looked at it, I kind of would be looking if I had to play a side, I think I'd play the Bengals. I think there's been almost like the pure, like general fan, if you would have asked them in June, who would you take, the Bengals or the Browns? Well, of course, they're all going to take the Bengals. But here, what has it been as of late? It's like, well, Burrow's got a bad calf. Well, Burrow's upset about his contract and all of this. And now you see money coming in on, on Cleveland. I think that might be a little bit overblown. Like, I still think Joe Burrow on one leg versus two is still, you know, a top probably seven quarterback with one leg if he's got two good ones he's in the top three or four you know I I think it might be an overreaction that all this money has come in on the Browns but that being said some things that I actually looked into you mentioned familiarity and obviously these teams know each other in the same division but you know who's newer to the division Deshaun Watson who only played roughly half a season 
Amari Cooper, obviously coming over from the uh, Dallas Cowboys. I actually liked Deshaun Watson's passing prop to go over 233 and a half pass yards. You mentioned the defense from Cincinnati and you thought that it was overachieving. I kind of agree because it was kind of a uh, opportunistic defense when it comes to turnovers. And it was kind of more of a bend, don't break. So they were giving up yards. And if Burrow and the Bengals offense is as good as advertised and maybe even better than what some of the people think due to him not being as, I guess, injured or affected by some of the stuff going on, Cleveland's going to have to pass if they want to stay in it with Cincinnati and, and try and win that game. So I like the over for Watson's pass yards. And then I kind of like the over for Amari Cooper at 58 and a half receiving yards. Amari Cooper has been solid every single year. The dude just catches balls and has a ton of different or a ton of yards every single year, no matter what he does. And I think we've seen over the years, it's been pointed out like Dak's numbers with and without Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is just a good football player, whether he was with the Raiders, the Cowboys, and now with the Browns. So I like both of their overs. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't argue with either of those. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny when I look at Cleveland props, it's either or. Um, it's either Chubb's going to rush for a million or the receivers and their quarterbacks will have good days. It's rarely both. Yeah, so that would be one where wouldn't you think more of the, the casual fan be like Nick Chubb's a top five, uh, you know, running back in the league. Oh, he can go over 80 yards. I think that's where he was uh, at 80-ish yards. And then everyone would think, well, Deshaun Watson's washed. Didn't you see him the last year? But I feel like not playing for, what, two seasons, or maybe it was even longer than that, that, I mean, it takes a little bit to knock off the rust. And let's not forget Deshaun Watson. I mean, the ceiling on that guy was literally one of the best quarterbacks in football. It was like him, Mahomes, and and Aaron Rodgers back before he got into, you know, the, the massage incidents. And now all of a sudden he's he's not good at all. I feel like it's just going to take time to knock off some rust. Yeah, I mean that'll be a wait and see for me. You know, you got to read. You know, we've had six months to look at the lines are four, um, and so have the books. So I think a lot, especially as compared to during the season, a lot of what's been talked about uh, and what's going to be talked about this week and whatnot is all almost redundant at this point. Because we everybody's had so long to look at these games. So I don't, you know, I, I'm with you that it's highly likely that, you know, and, and, and Cincinnati seems to be the sharp side. I, I know some pro betters that are definitely liking the Bengals. Uh, and if they're right, that would mean Cleveland might have to throw a little bit more. So um, I I could also build a case for Watson over um, in as much as I'm, I'm leery, but I, you know, I, I may be leery because of reasons that don't matter, i.e. personal feelings and whatnot. Um, but certainly to that number is, is, is over is doable. So I got a question for you. Just so I named both Deshaun Watson over in pass yards and Amari Cooper over in receiving yards. Would you be hesitant to play one or the other? Or would you say, no, if I like Deshaun Watson's, uh, you know, passing yards over, there's probably a correlation there with Amari Cooper going over as well. Yeah, and that's a um, a game by game thing. I mean, you have to look at the rest of the team. Like, uh, you know, for example, Dallas. Well, they have, you know, a hundred good receivers. You know, and and uh, you know, Cleveland has, has other ones. Uh, People's Jones is one, but you know, it's kind of in it's kind of in Amari's team. Uh, I guess I would have to look at who's going to going to going to be going to be 
watching him, but you know, I don't think Elijah Moore would be a huge factor. Um, Cedric Tillman's young, Marquise Goodwin. I actually like him, but you know, they they don't have a lot of other weapons that I think can be totally trusted. So in this case, I would say yes. Again, if if it were Dallas and I had, you know, that uh, trio of wide receivers, it's awful hard to pick out the one that you think is going to be the be the main target. And, you know, it's week one and and you just don't know. But Watson certainly had some some success with him last year. So in this case, I would say yes, I would correlate them. But again, that's a a game by game, roster by roster thing. I think I like how you brought up the fact that it's it's kind of a younger or lesser known names around Amari Cooper. So maybe you know they're not up to speed, or you know it's not someone that's really a factor. I also think one of the the big names that you didn't name was Kareem Hunt, who was kind of the back out of the backfield that would catch balls for him. I know Nick Chubb is capable, but that was kind of Kareem Hunt's role. He's no longer there. And to your point, we mentioned the the bend don't break Cincinnati more opportunistic. They don't have like a Darrell Revis that's going to go out there if there's one great receiver on the other team and absolutely right. shut him down. Right, you're right. Um, the only thing there is I'll just play devil's advocate for a second. You know the familiarity. I mean, it's not like um, Cleveland uh, Cincinnati rather doesn't know uh, who's capable of what on the other side of the ball. So that is actually. I'm throwing that in as an afterthought, but it probably should be a little higher up the up the list of things to, to sort of grade, if you will. So, Dave, any other NFL games that, that caught your eye or maybe uh, we didn't get to it on more of the college football pod that we gave out earlier on, on Monday or uh, is just. Well, I can I can run them down real quick. I mean, Baltimore at plus 10, I mean, Houston at plus 10 was a was a fairly sharp bet. I know a lot of people liked him. It's. Down to nine and a half, actually, circa in Vegas is at nine. Um, the Jaguars look too easy. Uh, that that number of five, that's always a that's always a weird number. Uh, you know, it's it's not trending in any direction. And for me, teams favored by five just always seem to not cover. Uh, but I would probably pass that game. I don't know. The total's going up. I don't necessarily agree with that. I do like Tampa Bay a lot better than most people. I mean, it's kind of like the Packers and Jordan Love. You know, Rodgers wasn't very good last year. Tom Brady wasn't very good last year. Baker Mayfield still has an upside. Uh, I wish I'd have bet it at six. It's not. We talked about the Steelers. I, I, I would lay off the Washington game. I mean, Arizona seems to be a bit sharp with plus seven. I, I know some people that like that. Um, I do think the Packers are the right side. I'm leery of Denver. I would probably pass that game. A lot of people I know like Miami. I, I kind of like the Chargers, but they make a good case. Um, Seattle and the Rams, I, I don't want any part of it. The Dallas Giants game, I'd be taking the uh, Giants team total under. I think that Dallas defense is um, is probably the best defense in the league. Uh, and Monday night, I would take the Jets. I mean, I know a lot of people like Buffalo. I will probably pass. But if I'm betting it, I'm probably taking the Jets. Or what I might do is tease the Jets up to eight and a half with the Steelers. Uh, and then if the Steelers cover the eight and a half, I'll go back and take the Buffalo money line and hope Buffalo wins by somewhere between one and eight and, and, and cash both of them. I do that quite a bit during the season. So it's not necessarily a, 
I think Buffalo, well, maybe the Jets, it's more of a numbers game. You mentioned one of the games that kind of caught my eye, and that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at plus six. Now, it looks like there's a little more big, like minus 115 on Minnesota in some spots. So maybe that maybe that six pops back up. But at six, I was kind of along the lines of you. Baker Mayfield, two years ago, Baker Mayfield was an all right quarterback with Cleveland. And remember, he was playing with like, what was it, like a torn rotator cuff and like two sprained ankles and he was kind of a shell of what he was three years ago and then obviously last year wasn't very good but I mean how would you feel if you were Baker Mayfield and they gave all this money to a dude that just gotten a lot of off the field trouble I feel like new new change of scenery could be you know better for Baker Mayfield and he still has weapons there like Tampa Bay still has Godwin they still have Evans like it's not like they're talentless the defense is still decent this Minnesota team feels like it's kind of the end of their their era. It's the last year of Kirk Cousins under contract. I know Jefferson's a stud, but Thielen's gone. Delvin Cook's gone. It's kind of like the last breath of this Minnesota core group of players. I don't know if they're necessarily going to be that good. I feel like they're a team with a higher floor and a lower ceiling. So, yeah, the getting the six would have been uh, the play that I looked at earlier this week with Tampa Bay. Yeah, and sometimes you got to overlook the numbers. I mean, that you know, somebody might shoot me for saying that, but in the NFL, if you got a 17-game schedule, the spread may come into play once, maybe twice. There's a lot of weeks where the spread never comes into play. And by that, I mean if the favorite wins, they cover the spread. Uh, and if the underdog covers the spread, they win the game. So – you know, money lines are your friends, I think, in the NFL. And then I, you know, I went through some more college football. And I know, like I said, uh, the first pod was kind of more college football with Thursday night and football included in it. But one of the college games that I looked at that I kind of really liked was the Washington Huskies in the first half minus the the 20 and a half. So, you know, they, they outscored Tulsa by three touchdowns the first half. That's a winner. Tulsa didn't seem very impressive against a crappy FCS school. I mean, Arkansas Pine Bluff, come on. They're not even ever playing in the big FCS games. Whoop-de-doo if Tulsa looked good. They didn't bring hardly anyone back on offense or defense. And then it's Washington. Michael Penix Jr., I mean, this is a guy vying for a Heisman. Threw for, what, four or five touchdowns and, like, nearly 500 yards against Boise, who was supposed to have a decent defense. And it was an uh, altitude there. I he feel It feels like an early first half where he's going to continue to get his Heisman numbers and they'll call the dogs off in the second half because we have a Big Ten opponent in Michigan State on deck. Yeah, absolutely, and and that was the uh, the whole reason behind it is having Michigan State on deck. You know, you would think they want to go ahead and get this over with quick. Uh, so, yes, I, I agree with you there. Um, I think SMU is going to give Oklahoma a better game than people think. I mean, I know what Oklahoma did, but, I mean, I, I think SMU is better than people think. Uh, and another one I like is the uh, Tulane Mississippi under. Ooh, that's what gets the grain there, Dave. What is the Mississippi Tulane under? Yeah, I've seen a lot of people loving the Ole Miss Tulane over. Well, of course they do. I mean, Ole Miss scored seventy three points last week, but it was against Mercer. I mean, they were the Arkansas Pine Bluff. Mercer's defensive line weighs an average of about two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, you know, the O line is bigger than the D line, but. They've got some 250-pound kids on the O-line. I mean, it was a bigger mismatch than 73 to nothing or whatever it was. I mean, and Tulane, they'll, they'll look at Tulane, they'll say, oh, yeah, well, they put up 37. Well, actually, yes, they did. 
but they only ran 53 plays. A lot of that was special teams and defense. They forced five turnovers. I mean, they're the 24th ranked team. They're at home. I don't think, I mean, I don't think they're going to want to shoot out. So I, I actually like that game to stay under. Yeah, that's definitely against the grain because I've seen a lot of people like over, but you, you make sense. It's, you're being contrarian on that one. It's easy to see the over. Uh, the only other one that I kind of liked in college football that we didn't mention was I like Michigan in the first half for the second straight week. Feels like uh, they're getting their OC back here. Again, you look at UNLV, they let Bryant go up and down the field for over 400 yards. They just turned it over on downs or turned the ball over multiple times deep into UNLV, or that game's a lot closer. UNLV ran the ball for almost 300 yards. They won't do that against Michigan. This feels like it could be a 42 to nothing game at halftime. Michigan way more physical, way better. UNLV won't get away with the garbage play that they had against Bryant. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I don't, uh, you know, I don't know. Who do they have next week? I didn't look uh, when you it's were a, talking. But... It's another crappy team on deck. Yeah, I, I guess I guess you still have to kind of look that way. Or, you know, the other thing I would look at is, you know, look at the UNLV team total under. You know, Michigan prides themselves on shutouts. So that would be a bet I would make no matter what the number was. Anything over three, I'll do it. So there you go. That'll that'll do it for our week one of NFL football podcast here on Winner's Take. Added a little bit of college there for you at the end. You want to get any of our content, you can find me on Twitter at Rowdy underscore Razor. You can find Dave at Dave underscore Essler. Or you can find some of Dave's work at pregame.com. Again, before we're out of here, just want to ask that you download, listen, like, share, subscribe to the podcast. And uh, we'll be back here Monday this week, no long weekend for us. We'll be back on Monday for the next episode of Winner's Take. But until then, let's continue to win some money. The Winner's Take is your podcast for everything gambling at madcitysportszone.com. In the Zone app or wherever you get your podcasts, listen, rate, subscribe.